Hello, I'm Andrew and welcome to this week's edition of the Black Country Talking News for the 24th of January 2024. Hello and welcome to the Black Country Talking News, brought to you by the sight loss charity Beacons. We're pleased to confirm that the Talking News is now available via Alexa. Once you've enabled the Talking Newspapers skill, all you need to do is play Talking Newspapers and ask for the Black Country Talking News. Our Talking News service is also available via the free Wireless for the Blind app. It can be found on the Beacon Centre website www.beaconvision.org forward slash talking dash news. As a podcast via services such as Apple or Spotify or as a free CD, simply contact Beacon Centre on 01902-880-111. We hope you enjoy this week's edition. Reading for you this week, we have myself, Andrew, Angela, Ian, Christine, Helen, Mina, Simon, and of course, not forgetting, flashback, Roger. In this week's edition, we have an update from Beacon, the quiz with Mina, from kind, selfless, axe to barefoot, Maker facts. We have the latest news for the black country. We build up to this weekend's eagerly anticipated FA Cup clash between West Brom and Wolves. A did you know section from Flashback Roger. Hopefully, Mina can bring us a much calmer forecast with the weather for the week ahead. With this week bringing about the celebration of Burns Night, get the old leaps and tatties out, we find out about the famous dish and Burns Night poem. And with the TV licence due to rise in April 2024, we take a look at the cost, what this entitles you to access, and what VI and age-related discounts are available. Local news to start though with Ian. Christine, but first, Angela. Homeowners across the region can take advantage of a new £16 million fund offering them grants of up to £18,000 to make their homes warmer and cheaper to run. Super-efficient insulation is one of the energy-saving measures that residents will be able to get funding for from the WMCA's £16 million Home Upgrade Grants Programme. The money, secured by the West Midlands Combined Authority from the Government, will pay for energy-saving measures such as super-efficient insulation, solar panels, underfloor heating and heat pumps. The grants are available to people who own their own homes in Dudley, Sandwell, Birmingham and Rugby that are not connected to mains gas, have an EPC rating of D to G and meet income criteria. It is estimated that there are currently more than 300,000 homes across the West Midlands that are not connected to the gas grid, which means thousands of households could be eligible for the new grants. Andy Street, Mayor of the West Midlands and WMCA Chairman, said, Improving the energy efficiency of our region's housing stock is a key part of how we lower energy bills for local people and create warmer and healthier places to live. So, it's good news that we are now able to make grants and expert advice available to homeowners who live in some of the most energy-inefficient homes enabling them to access the support they need to bring them up to modern energy-efficient standards. Initiatives like this, backed by government investment, keeps us on track to make progress alongside our local authority partners and social housing providers in the months and years ahead. Those who qualify for Home Upgrade Grants, HUG, will get a free technical survey to see which improvements would be most suitable for their home. Funding is also available for landlords in the charity and private rented sector. 
The WMCA is working in partnership with local energy charities Act on Energy and March's Energy Agency, along with Birmingham, Sandwell, Dudley and Rugby Councils to deliver the HUG programme. It is part of £70 million of funding the WMCA has secured from government and social housing providers to improve the energy efficiency of thousands of homes right across the region. To find out more about Home Upgrade Grants and to check eligibility, visit wmca.org.uk forward slash HUG or call the Act on Energy helpline on 0800 988 2881. Wolverhampton Council says it will stop collecting recycling waste that isn't put out for collection correctly, saying contaminated bins are costing the taxpayer. Residents are being asked to check before they chuck in an attempt to improve the quality of recycling put into household bins. The contamination of non-recyclable items has so far cost the taxpayers more than £185,000 a year to deal with. To try and tackle the issue, from Monday, January 29th, recycling bins will no longer be collected if they contain incorrect items. Councillor Craig Collingswood, Cabinet Member for City Environment and Climate Change at the City of Wolverhampton Council said, bins that contain contaminated items are costing the council taxpayer a significant amount of money to dispose of and we just can't keep collecting them. Therefore, from January 29th, we have no choice but to stop collecting contaminated bins to reduce the costs associated with additional disposal. Money saved will be available to use on other services provided by the council. Tags will now be placed on recycling bins that contain incorrect items and residents asked to remove anything that shouldn't be there. Residents will then need to take the bin back in remove the incorrect items and dispose of them correctly. Councillor Collingswood continued, If people do receive a tag, they can either remove the contaminants and present their bin again on their next scheduled collection, put them in their general household waste bin, or they can take their waste to one of the city's household waste recycling centres. Tips. We are very clear that we have a commitment to recycling in Wolverhampton and I would like to thank everyone who puts the right items in the recycling bin. We'd encourage all our residents to get on board and help us to create a greener city. The new tagging system follows an educational work carried out by the council's waste services team, which includes educational stickers being attached to every household recycling bin, and information shared on social media channels. Financial deal has been agreed over plans for a multi-million pound waste energy plant development to be built on derelict land. Under the agreement, some black country homes will now be powered by rubbish treated by energy recovery specialists company Encyclis and 60 new jobs will be created on completion. Following an offer of support from the West Midlands Combined Authority, the company construction of the facility on eight acres of derelict land off Friars Road near Beechdale in Walsall will start later this year. Up to 450 jobs will be created at the construction stage, which will see Encyclis build, own and operate the state-of-the-art facility in partnership with the main constructor, Hitachi Zozen Innova. The facility will utilise combustion technology to convert up to 436,000 tonnes of waste annually into enough electricity to power around 90,000 homes. The authority provided an initial loan facility to enable groundworks to be carried out. Encyclis Development Director Andrew Howie said, The development of Walsall demonstrates our sustained progress in executing on our full potential plan. It is a highly significant project in several ways. It will be the first of our facilities to be 100% owned and operated by Encyclis. 
To achieve that, we will be contracting directly with local and regional waste management companies to provide them and their ultimate local authority and business customers with a direct route into a long-term sustainable waste treatment facility, diverting waste from landfill and exports. Today's announcement confirms our commitment to support inward investment and create high-skilled jobs in the region. The initial work to prepare the site for construction has been carried out by Wolverhampton-based groundwork specialist McAuliffe. The plant is due to be operating by 2027. Up next, we hear from Helen, who, as usual, has our latest Beacon update. Hi everyone, it's Helen from Beacon, back with your weekly update and what a cold week it's been. I hope you're managing in this somewhat breezing weather, but please contact us if you feel you need extra support and we'll see if we can point you in the right direction. Now, first this week, we so appreciate all your donations to our charity shops. They help us make a world of difference for people living with sight loss. We've received an influx of pre-loved items in the last few weeks though, so to ensure we can accommodate your kindness and make the most impact, please give us a ring in advance if you've got something you would like to donate to check for available space. You can call us on 01902 880 or find the opening hours of your nearest shop on our website www.beaconvision.org. And don't forget to gift aid if you can to make your donation go even further at no extra cost to you. Now, do you fancy bowling with Beacon? Well, our 10-pin bowling sessions are among the most popular in our community activity programme. If you'd like to join us in 2024, find out more on our website www.beaconvision.org or give us a call on 01902 now, you may know that blind and partially sighted people are more than twice as likely to have experienced difficulties with unhappiness or depression than the UK average. So, with it recently being Blue Monday, that was January the 15th, said to be the most depressing day of the year, well, we want to remind you that no one should have to face sight loss alone. If you want support to live well with sight loss, give us a call 01902 or email inquiries at beaconvision.org to find out more. Now, last this week, a big shout out goes to Thomas Dudley, the company. We'd like to thank the amazing company for its incredible ongoing generosity, which has most recently seen a £5,000 donation to support our transport service. Their kindness is the driving force behind more inclusive journeys for those who need it. And we so appreciate it. That's it for this week. I'll be back again soon with another update. Bye-bye. Thanks for that update, Helen. Next up, we have another block of local news. And up first, we hear from Christine. Residents in a black country town are being urged to have their say on a £3 million improvement plan to drive more footfall and boost trade. The project in Stourbridge Town Centre subject to approvals, will be funded by cash from the West Midlands City Region Sustainable Transport Settlements, CRSTS. Proposals on the table include the installation of planters and lighting to improve the look of the town and extra CCTV to deter crime. The Blueprint proposes a new pedestrian crossing point on the Ring Road to make it safer to get across. Cycle routes will be created to make it easier to get into the centre of Stourbridge, either by bike or on foot, along with new speed restrictions in parts of the town. New flexible public spaces will also be created for community events as part of the proposals. Councillor Paul Bradley, Deputy Leader of the Council, said, Stourbridge is a beautiful market town with huge potential. We want to make it easier for people to get into the town and make it as attractive as we can so people want to come into Stourbridge. Boosting footfall boosts trade and we need to do all we can to support town centre businesses after what has been a very difficult last few years. I would urge anyone with an interest in Stourbridge to have a look at the proposals and have their say. 
We want local people to be at the heart of driving positive changes in their towns and communities. People can have their say now online at regeneratingdudley.org.uk forward slash Stourbridge dash consultation. The proposals will also be on display at four drop-in sessions at Stourbridge Library, where council officers will be on hand to answer questions. The next session will take place on Tuesday, January 30th from 1pm to 4pm. Saturday, February 3rd from 10am to 1pm and Thursday, February 8th from 1pm to 4pm. The consultation closes on Wednesday, February 14th. A vacant property task force is being set up by Wolverhampton Council. The Council's Director of Regeneration, Richard Lawrence, revealed the plan at the Council's City Centre Living Showcase that was held at Molyneux last week. The showcase heard about a range of schemes to bring new homes into the heart of Wolverhampton. As well as the new schemes, there are also roles for existing buildings to play, Mr Lawrence said. The Council aims to work with partners from the public and private sector to bring forward schemes to utilise vacant properties. The aim is to bring buildings back to life, added Mr Lawrence. Developer Tim Heatley, co-founder of Capital and Centric, said there would be a huge amount of opportunities for the task force. Wolverhampton is a city that needs to change and transform and reimagine itself and that is creating huge opportunities, he stressed. He said that repurposing old existing properties was an exciting prospect for Capital and Centric. Many developers have been working with the council for several years and schemes are now beginning to come forward. But there are still many boarded up businesses in the city centre streets. The iconic Beatty's store is just one of them. The former department store in Victoria Street was put up for sale for £7.5 million last autumn. The 146-year-old building, which has been empty since House of Fraser moved out of the building in 2020, has planning permission for more than 400 flats. The hooded ram, which occupied the former Nat West Bank building on the corner of Litchfield Street, closed its doors in 2021 and has remained vacant ever since. Next door is the former Coral Bookmakers, also now boarded up. The old job centre at the junction of Queen Street and Market Street has also been empty for more than a year and the former home of the Express and Star in Queen Street is in the process of being sold for redevelopment. The story of women brickmakers from the Black Country who did their work barefoot is set to be told. The Black Country Living Museum has announced that the story of the barefoot brickmakers, a group of women who made bricks, is set to be told in a new exhibit at the museum in Dudley. It will feature women such as Nellie, who made bricks in bare feet for more than 60 years and in her prime was making 1,600 bricks a day. The exhibition, which will be called Cricketfield Brickworks, will be officially launched on March the 15th at the museum's Red by Night event. A spokeswoman for Black Country Living Museum said, The story of the barefoot brickmakers is one yet to be told by the museum, and you won't be waiting too much longer. We are excited to announce that the official opening of Cricketfield Brickworks will take place at our Red Boy Night event on the 15th and 16th of March. Now it's time to test your knowledge as we have the quiz questions for this edition brought to us by Mina. Hello and welcome to this week's Flashback Quiz. All the answers you need can be found later in Flashback Rogers' Did You Know feature. But for now, these are your questions. Question 1. 
What is tripophobia, the fear of? Question two. Which is wider, Australia or the moon? Question three. What did ancient Romans drop into a glass of wine for luck? Question four. Why is it difficult to sing the words to the Spanish national anthem? Question 5. What famous structure grows taller in the summer? And finally, question 6. How much did Sotheby's get for a bottle of Plunk in 2018? I will be back later in the show to share all the answers. But for now, best of luck. Cheers for those questions, Mina. Mm, I'll get my mind working on them. Up now, however, is another block of local news. A former Rolls-Royce showroom in Sedgley is to be converted into a supermarket. The new spa will utilise the old showroom of King's Motors on the A459 Wolverhampton Road, just across the road from the Beacon Centre. The existing BP petrol station on the site and its shops will form part of the development. A car wash at the rear of the site has been demolished to make way for a new automatic drive-through car wash and a new Greggs is also believed to form part of the project. No one was available at the 1.4 acre site on Friday to offer more information on the scheme. Staff at the petrol station said that it was to become a spa. There have been rumours in the area that it might become a Morrison's local. The former PJ Evans site was also formerly a Peugeot Talbot dealership and was a showroom for Rolls-Royce in the 1970s. Previous plans for the site have included using it as a pizza restaurant. There has not been a spa in Sedgley since the previous one in Bilston Street became a select and save. A new Aldi to serve the village is also in the pipeline. Work on the supermarket on the former Bilston Street car park is due to start in the spring. The historic Burton Union brewing system, which dates back to the Victorian era, is being retired by Wolverhampton-based Carlsberg Marston's Brewing Company, CMBC. The four remaining union sets at the Marston's Brewery in Burton-upon-Trent are used for fermenting cask ale Marston's Pedigree. The brewing company plans to preserve two of them for brewing heritage purposes. CNBC says low volumes due to a decline in the cask market meant that continuing using the sets was no longer viable. The announcement on Friday prompted the launch of a Save the Burton Unions Facebook group. Hundreds of people, including many Campaign for Real Ale members, have signed up in the hope of persuading CNBC to continue using the Burton Union system, which has been in use for 150 years. There are fears that it could be the first step towards the closure of the brewery in Shobnall Road. Marston's is the last brewer to use the system, which was also used in the Bass Brewery in Burton. Director of Brewing for CNBC, Emma Gilliland, said, We take great pride in the quality of our brews, and by moving cask pedigree to stainless steel fermenters, we will be able to deliver consistent, strong quality for our customers and consumers going forward. 
we are committed to protecting the legacy of the Union sets, both for the brewery and for Burton. We will invest in preserving two Union sets, which will remain at the brewery so they can continue to be part of its future as an enduring, iconic symbol of British brewing. John Marston began brewing in 1834 at the Horninglow Brewery in Burton-upon-Trent. In 1898, the brewery relocated to the Albion Brewery on Shobnall Road. The Burton Union system is a wood barrel fermentation system that was used predominantly by the brewers in and around Burton. A Union set consists of large wood barrel casks, each 150 imperial gallons in size, which are positioned on their sides in rows, typically suspended off the floor in a wood or metal frame by large metal axles. The barrels are spaced evenly and each is fitted with a bottom valve that leads to a bottom trough. The barrels are linked together by a series of pipes so that liquid can be evenly dispersed throughout the union from a feeder vessel. The union is fed by gravity from the primary fermentation vessels or squares. At the height of the system's use in the 1800s, a large brewery such as Bass would have employed dozens of union sets. The region's pubs will also be busy over the course of the next few days as the annual celebration of Scotland's most famous poet is to be marked with a week of celebrations. Customers at the Moon Underwater on Litchfield Street in Wolverhampton, the Royal Tiger on Wensfield High Street and the Sir Henry Newbolt on Bilston High Street will be able to enjoy some traditional Scottish food and a weed ram to mark the occasion including on Burns Night itself on Thursday, January the 25th. The Moon Under the Water pub manager, Dan Davy said, The seven-day celebration is a great opportunity for our customers to enjoy some traditional Scottish food and drink and to celebrate for longer than just January the 25th. The pubs will be serving haggis, sneeps and tatties, as well as a Caledonian burger, which is two three-ounce beef patties with haggis and whiskey sauce served with chips and six onion rings. Among the drink choices for the Burns event meal deals is a selection of Scottish drinks for customers to enjoy. On offer is Nessie's Monster Mash, 4.1% ABV, from Cairngorm Brewery, a predominantly malty, lightly hopped beer served especially for the event, as well as Scottish gins, whiskies, and beer. They include two Scottish single malt whiskies, Glenmorangie and Glenfiddich, as well as the famous Grouse and Bells whisky. Scotland's Brewdog, Elvis, Juice and Hazy Jane craft beers, as well as Scottish gins, Hendrix and Edinburgh gin, rhubarb and ginger. Now, with haggis on the menu for many annual Burns Night celebrations this week, Let's head over to Soundings contributor Anne, who can tell us all about the history of the dish and why Robert Burns was moved to write his famous poem, Address to a Haggis. TNF Soundings. Features from across the UK. Hello, this is Anne with an item about the famous poem addressed to a haggis by Burns. The poem is regularly recited during celebrations throughout the world whenever haggis makes an appearance on the menu. But what is a haggis and why did Burns write about it? The item is taken from the Robert Burns Federation website. In the olden days, the preparation of a haggis went something like this. Take the liver, lungs and heart of a sheep and boil them. Mince the meats and mix with chopped onions, toasted oatmeal, salt, pepper and spices. Take one properly cleaned sheep's stomach. Stuff the cleaned stomach with the prepared contents, 
sew up the stomach, leaving enough room for expansion to avoid a large, messy explosion and boil. Serve and eat. Lovely. Nowadays, haggis prepared in Scotland is not so gruesome. The best meats are selected, including tripe and offal, and prepared with the finest oatmeal and spices, but served in a synthetic skin, which is representative of the old technique. The quality manufacturers of haggis pride themselves in their guarded secret recipes and prepare the haggis to exacting standards. Haggis has a higher quality of content than your average sausage and is extremely healthy, so please don't be put off. Haggis and its origins In the days when hunting was a means of basic survival, all parts of the dead animal had to be used. The skins were used as clothing, the gut and tissue used as thread for sewing, with the main carcass and organs used as food. The bulk content meat was often dried or salted and proved suitable for a long shelf life. The innards and organs of the beast were the most perishable parts and had to be consumed first. Someone, somewhere, sometime, recognised that the stomach made an excellent cooking vessel and that mixing the organs with spices and meal, placing them in this natural pot and cooking the contents provided a highly nutritional and tasty meal. This basic method of cooking has been traced back to Greek and Roman times. The name haggis, however, has its origins in more recent history, and links are shown to Scandinavian hag, meaning to hew, or the French hagueur, to cut, or German hackwurst, meaning minced sausage. It's difficult to identify exactly when the great Scottish haggis, as described by Burns, came to be. For sure, in his day, and during the 18th century, the now famous meal was regularly served in Scotland as a tasty and very healthy meal. Why did Burns write about the haggis? In the poem, addressed to a haggis, it is clear that Burns was presenting the haggis as being a unique and simple part of Scottish identity and culture. Through the power of the spoken word and the imagery of vivid language, Rabbi successfully portrayed a picture in the mind. When written, only a short time had passed since the Jacobite Rebellion. The French Revolution was alive and America was in the aftermath of the War of Independence. In Britain, the political struggle between Scotland and England was very much to the fore and Burns wrote passionately on the subject. So war, political struggle and the Scottish identity were the catalyst for the poem. The humble haggis was merely the vehicle used to demonstrate his proud Scottish nationalism, which he does in a light-hearted way. Burns clearly thought that haggis was a great meal but he also recognised its nutritional value, its popularity, and its unusual preparation and presentation. It was uniquely Scottish. It is therefore easy to see why Rabbi made the link between Scotland's identity at that time. It was a strange subject to write about, but this is the mastery of Burns. TNF Soundings Next up, we have another block of local news. Now then, here's a cracking joke for you. I accidentally swallowed a bunch of Scrabble tiles. My next trip to the bathroom could spell... Disaster! <laughs> I grout you were laughing too hard at that. And nor were a family from the black country when a Wolverhampton tile firm collapsed into administration last week. But the selfless act of a lorry driver meant that work could continue on the adaptations for the father of Mandy Jordan after he delivered the tiles to the gravely ill man's home for free. Both his daughter and the contractor adapting the bathroom in his Bilston house have praised the tile choice employee who dropped off the tiles on Monday. Mandy Jordan said her father was very frail and struggling to walk, so she had been making changes to the house to make things comfortable for him including a new walk-in shower. 
After speaking to Ashley Atkinson from Atkinson Plumbing, Heating and Developments, they had ordered the tiles from Tile Choice, only to find out hours later the company had gone into administration. She said, We'd made the order for the tiles on Thursday, only to find that they'd gone into administration the next morning, so it was a lot for me and my mum to take on, as she'd been so happy with the tiles they'd picked out, so that was a worry over the weekend. We'd got an email on Monday morning after I emailed Tile Choice on Friday and they told me that they couldn't get into the warehouse so they wouldn't be able to deliver our orders. So Ashley had given me what he had and my mum and I decided to go to another company. We had just pulled up there when I got a phone call from a very chirpy delivery driver who said he had a delivery for us and was outside the house at that point so he delivered the tiles to the guys working on the bathroom. Ms Jordan said the delivery man had told her he'd been working for three days with no pay, but had wanted to make sure he got his deliveries done, and she offered words of thanks for his selfless act. She said, He was really chirpy and wasn't down in the dumps on the phone. He was just so upbeat, which in the circumstances you wouldn't have thought so. He said he wanted to make sure he'd done his deliveries, not just dumping them, and was still doing his job even though he wasn't getting paid. I would just like to say thank you so much as it was amazing what he did. Seeing that he delivered them for free, you could say they were on the house. School children are being given a helping paw in the classroom by some special four-legged friends. Paula and Brian are now familiar faces at St. Regis Church of England Academy, Wolverhampton, after the school introduced a dog mentor programme. Vice Principal Chris Green said, The dog mentor programme has built upon the benefits of the human-animal bond by providing children positive experiences with dogs that can help them educationally, developmentally, emotionally and socially. Over the last nine years, the Dog Mentor Programme has been proven to have a positive impact on children in all areas, including self-esteem, behaviour, peer relationships and better engagement skills. These improvements then result in improved academic achievement. Orla is Mr Green's own four-year-old dog and Brian, age six, is Deb Rogers's and both animals had to pass assessments and hold licences to be support dogs. Mr Green added, The Dog Mentor Programme will bring a positive influence into the school environment as a whole and we look forward to the impact it will have on our children. Full training has been given to both Orla and Brian and our staff owners as well as Miss Nichols Owen from our pastoral team who will work with them in order to ensure that the welfare of everyone involved is maintained as a top priority. The programme improves children's ability to pay attention and focus, calm down when upset or stressed, and make better decisions. It also helps children develop awareness of inner and outer experiences. It may also help children who have a fear of dogs, Mr Green said. Some children have a fear of dogs. These fears may be based on prior negative interactions or from parents warning to be careful around dogs which instills an emotional response of anxiety. The Dog Mentor Programme is implemented where unwanted contact with the dog can be avoided. The fear issue can be minimised. Experience and research has also shown that with proper guidance and handling, children can learn to overcome their fear of animals and with it grow in respect and appreciation of them. This is something we hope can support pupils. A Black Country concert will celebrate 60 years since youth leaders actually did get what they wanted when, quite remarkably, they persuaded the legendary Rolling Stones to play a local gig. The band came to Willenhall in the West Midlands on the 5th of February 1964 and people still talk about the gig, which cost just six shillings for a ticket. A Rolling Stones tribute act has been booked to perform at the same venue. Organiser Nigel Dutton from Willinall Lockstock said he wanted to celebrate the musical history of the area. He said the average age of fans at the original gig at the town's former public baths was just 14 and he had spoken to a number of women who had attended. They told tales of kissing the stones and being told off by their parents, he said. 
Mr. Dutton has also heard from people who worked for local taxi firm Constables. One taxi driver told a story of a young man jumping in the back of his car while shouting, Save me from the girls! The young man then exited from the opposite side of the vehicle and the driver then realised afterwards it was Mick Jagger who had been looking to be given shelter. The same taxi firm has restored one of its original vehicles from the time and will invite concertgoers to repeat the scene, passing through the taxi from one side to the other. Mr Dutton said Willenhall Lockstock, a not-for-profit group which organises a local music festival every September, will be held at the Willows once Willenhall Baths on the 1st of March. The venue still has its original stage and the 1964 experience will be completed with meals from the local fish and chip shop, he said. Up next, it's trivia time, brought to us by Flashback Roger and his Did You Know feature. Take it away, Roger. Hello everyone, here we are again ready and willing I hope for a new set of facts and articles to enjoy and share. So off we go, and this week I'll start with this one. Did you know that trypophobia is the fear of closely packed holes, or more specifically, an aversion to the sight of irregular patterns or clusters of small holes or bumps? No crumpets for those suffering from that then, all the more for me. And Australia is wider than the moon. The moon sits at 3,400 kilometres in diameter, while Australia's distance from east to west is almost 4,000 kilometres. And this is an interesting one and something that I've often wondered about. The ancient Romans used to drop a piece of toast into their wine for good health, and that's why we drink a toast. And believe it or not, the Spanish national anthem has no words. The Marcia Real is one of only four national anthems in the world, along with those of Bosnia and Herzegovina, Kosovo and San Marino, to have no official lyrics. When I watch sporting things when they play an anthem, I've often thought that the standing players weren't patriotic because they didn't sing, but now I know. And the Eiffel Tower can be 15 centimetres taller during the summer, due to thermal expansion as the iron heats up and the whole thing gets taller. So if you're asked how tall the Eiffel Tower is, you can say, do you want another summer or winter dimensions? And a 73-year-old bottle of French Burgundy became the most expensive bottle of wine ever to be sold at auction, and it went for £439,300. The bottle of 1945 Romani Conti sold at Sotheby's for more than 17 times its original estimate of $32,000. And finally, the Japanese word Kushi Zamishi is the act of eating when you're not hungry because they say that the mouth is lonely. I do this all the time, no wonder I put on weight. At least I can say I'm being considerate to my poor lonely gob. And with that closing note, I think I'll slip off for a bacon sarnie because my mouth is crying out for company and I really don't like to disappoint it. So till next week then, I'll just say bye for now. Ta-ra a bit. Ta-ra. Up now we have to hear what the weather has in store for us. Brought to us, come rain or shine, by our own Sunny Mina. After a fierce week of gusty winds and rain, the weather for this week ahead is thankfully forecast to return to something a little more calmer, but remaining unsettled. UV levels are expected to remain low, the sunrise and sunset times are 7.50am for the sunrise and 16.50pm for the sunset. Friday 26th of January is forecast to be a lovely dry and sunny day but with a moderate breeze. Temperatures are forecast to be as expected for this time of year at around 8 degrees. Moving on, and it looks like our resident rainfall will be visiting us once again. 
this weekend with plenty of light rain showers to accompany the sunny spells over the weekend. But with a gentle breeze coming in front, the south temperatures will be a touch milder at around 11 degrees on both Saturday and Sunday. With Sunday looking like it has the better chance of remaining dry. On to next week, where the spell of wet weather will continue to dominate, with plenty of light rain and drizzle to dodge. It is forecast for rain to remain in the region on Monday 29th of January and continue right through to Thursday 1st of February. Yes, you heard correct. We're already saying hello to February. With a moderate breeze continuing to come in from the south, temperatures should continue to improve, possibly even getting as high as 12 degrees as we progress through the week. The showers are forecast to be short and sharp throughout the week, so there's chance of some brief sunny intervals breaking through at times. So there we have it, a regular mix bag of showers sprinkled with some spells of sunshine. Thankfully, the wings won't be blowing a gale this week. As always, enjoy the weather. Cheers for that weather update, Mina. Now it's time to find out how our local football teams have been getting on. With Wolves drawing at Brighton, and the Baggies falling to a disappointing defeat at Norwich, the respective run-of-the-mill league encounters were always going to be the hors d'oeuvre before the main course. Wolves now go on to face a huge Black Country derby at the home of fierce rivals West Brom in the fourth round of the FA Cup. But they will have to overcome history to progress in the tournament. That's because of 11 meetings in the world's oldest knockout cup competition, Wolves have beaten the Baggies just once. Yes, you heard correctly, just once. Albion have won a stunning eight times against their rivals with two clashes ending in draws, which went to replays. In their most recent meeting, Albion came out on top in 2007 at Molyneux, with goals from Dio Mansi Kamara, Kevin Phillips and Zoltan Guerra. The Baggies beat Wolves four times that season. The old foes' first meeting in the FA Cup came in the fourth round on January 2nd, 1886, with Albion winning 3-1 at home. Arthur Loach, George Bell and former Wolves' Forward Tommy Green got the goals for Albion, with George Wood scoring the consolation goal for Wolves. In fact, the first two meetings between Wolves and Albion both came in the FA Cup, with the second on November the 26th, 1887. The Baggies won again, this time 2-0 at home in the third round, with goals from Billy Bassett and Joe Wilson. The sides met in the third round in 1895, which ended in a 1-0 win for the Throssels again at home. Roddy McLeod got the goal. The next meeting in the Cup was not until the third round in February 1924, which ended in a one-all draw in West Bromwich, where Charlie Wilson scored for Albion and Stanley Fazakali notched for Wolves. In the replay at Molyneux four days later, Albion were again victorious with a 2-0 win. Wilson scored again, while Howard Gregory got the other goal. There was a seven-year gap before the two teams faced off in the competition, Next meeting in the quarter-final in 1931. Another 1-1 draw at the Hawthorns saw W.G. Richardson score for the hosts and George Shaw score an own goal before the replay at Molyneux saw Albion win 2-1. Richardson scored again, as did Stan Wood, with Jimmy Deacon scoring for Wolves. That year, Albion went on to win the Cup for the first time in their history. The rivals next met in the Cup in February 1949 again in the quarter-final, and Wolves finally overcame their hoodoo against Albion, beating their arch-rivals 1-0 at Molyneux, thanks to a goal from Hall of Fame forward Jimmy Mullen. Wolves famously went on to win the competition that year, the third time they had lifted the FA Cup, heralding the start of their golden era. Under the guidance of legendary manager Stan Cullis and a talented squad, Wolves secured another FA Cup win, and three First Division titles over more than a decade of glory. 
A number of floodlit friendlies were also the catalyst for the formation of European club competitions after Wolves beat star-studded Honved and went on to play Real Madrid. The next FA Cup meeting between Wolves and Albion came in 1956, when Stan Cullis was in charge during the Golden Era, but the Baggies still ran away 2-1 winners at Molyneux in the third round. Goals from George Lee and Frank Griffin gave Albion a 2-0 lead before Bill Slater scored for Wolves. The scoreline and venue were the same in 1962 as Albion continued their domination with a 2-1 win in the fourth round. A Clive Clark brace, either side of a Jimmy Murray goal for Wolves, secured Albion's place in the next round. In the long history of these two clubs, the Baggies have managed an 8-1 advantage in the FA Cup. But the Golden Black faithful will be desperate to make inroads into that when the sides face each other at the Hawthorns. So who will get one over on their old foes? The countdown is now well and truly on for Sunday. And don't forget, it's an early one, with a brunch time kickoff at 11.45. Now, here come the quiz answers, and they're brought to us by Mina. Hello, and here are your answers for this week's flashback quiz. Feeling confident? How will you score? Let's see. Question one. What is tripophobia, the fear of? And the answer here is tightly placed holes. Question two. Which is wider, Australia or the moon? And the answer here is Australia. Question three. What did ancient Romans drop into a glass of wine for luck? A piece of toast. Question four. Why is it difficult to sing the words to the Spanish national anthem? And the answer, because there aren't any. <laughs> Question five. What famous structure grows taller in the summer? The answer, the Eiffel Tower. And finally, question six. How much did Sotheby's get for a bottle of Plonk in 2018? And the answer here is 439,300. Did you get them all right? If not, not to worry, as I will be back next week to test you all once again. Bye for now. Now then, with the TV licence fee due to rise in April, you will need a licence if you watch or record live TV on any channel or service, or if you use BBC iPlayer, Included here is information about discounts that may be available to you along with tips on how to claim discounts as well as helpful resources and contact details. TNF Soundings Features from across the UK Hello, I'm Iona. And this article highlights what you need to know about TV licences in the UK. That's what you need the licence for, what you can access without a licence, and what concessions are available to you if you are disabled, blind or severely sight impaired, or if you are 75 or over. We shall be considering generalities, but if the information just does not fit your own situation, we shall explore sources of help and support and how to contact them at the end of this article. First, you will need a TV licence if you watch or record live TV on any channel or service, or if you use a BBC iPlayer. You may be able to get a free or discounted TV licence if you're 75 or over and get pension credit or if you're blind or in residential care. More about that later. You do not need a TV licence to watch streaming services like Netflix or Disney Plus, 
on-demand TV through services like All4 and Amazon Prime Video, videos on websites like YouTube, or videos or DVDs. So, how much does a license cost? A standard TV license costs £159, that's £53.50 for black and white TV sets for both homes and businesses every year. You can pay this in one go, but most people choose to spread the cost by direct debit. Importantly, there are TV license discounts and concessions. If you're aged 75 and over, and you or your partner living at the same address receive pension credit, you could get a free license. To be eligible for a free license, you will need to be receiving pension credit in your name, or this can be in your partner's name, if you are a couple and living at the same address. Once you turn 75, you need to apply for your free TV license. They're not given out automatically, so contact TV Licensing for an application form or to ask any questions. The telephone number is 0300-790-6117. That's 0300-790-6117. If you live in a care home or sheltered accommodation, you may be able to pay a discounted fee of £7.50 per year. If you're blind or severely sight impaired, you can apply to pay half of the licence fee, that's £79.50. And if you only watch on a black and white TV, the licence costs only £53.50. So, how do you qualify for a 50% blind concession? A blind concession TV licence costs £79.50 for colour and £53.50 for a black and white TV licence. You will need to provide the TV licensing organisation a copy of one of the following documents to confirm that you're certified as blind or severely sight impaired. One. A CVI or BD8 Certificate of Visual Impairment to confirm that you're certified as blind or severely sight impaired. 2. A certificate or document issued by a local authority that shows that you are registered as blind or severely sight impaired. 3. A copy of a certificate from an ophthalmologist, that's an eye surgeon, stating that you are blind or severely sight impaired. 4. Tax coding notice from HMRC showing that you receive blind person's allowance. 5. A copy of your national registration card signed by an ophthalmologist stating that you are blind or severely sight impaired. 6. DHSS documentation or certificate stating that you are blind or severely sight impaired for the Isle of Man residents only. And finally, a health and social services documentation or letter from optometrist for residents of Northern Ireland only. If you or someone you live with is blind or severely sight impaired, regardless of their age, you can apply for a blind concession. If you already have a TV license, but it isn't in the name of the person who is blind, you'll need to transfer the license into their name. You can do this by making a first-time blind application. You'll just need to enter the existing TV license number for your address when you apply. If the blind, severely sight-impaired person is under 18, a different process will apply. Unfortunately, people who are partially sighted, sight-impaired, do not qualify for a 50% blind concession. Some more details include the fact that if you live in a shared household, you still need your own licence if you have separate tenancy arrangements and watch TV in your own room. If you are a student living in university accommodation, you will need a licence to watch TV in your own room, although shared areas may be already covered by a TV licence. You can apply for a TV licence by calling the following number. 0300 
0300-790-6071. That's 0300-790-6071. If you have access to the internet, you can find out about possible reductions by visiting tvlicensing.co.uk forward slash info. If you have difficulties with your application or need more information, you can call 0300-790-6117. That's 0300-790-6117. Or online information can be found on tvlicensing.co.uk forward slash blind. You do not require a TV license if you use a digital set-top box solely to listen to television programs through a hi-fi or stereo system. The set-top box must be incapable of recording and must not be connected to a device capable of showing images. Failing to have a TV license when you should could result in a fine of up to £1,000. The BBC and the way it is funded has raised debate, especially in recent years, with its critics saying the current licence fee model is not sustainable, while others argue the BBC offers great value for money. But with government announcing in December 2023 that the licence fee will go up by £10.50 in 2024, an extra 88p a month, Campaigns are underway to resist this hike in licence fees. So let's explore some helpful resources now. Here are some phone numbers that may be helpful to you if you have concerns about how much you need to pay. For information and help from TV licensing, you can call 0300-790-6117. Seven nine zero six one one seven. If you need to contact the RNIB helpline for specific information and support regarding concessions relating to your eyesight, call their helpline on o three o three one two three nine 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 nine. That's o three o three one two three nine nine. Nine nine. This helpline number provides a hub for all the departments of the RNIB and you're sure of a friendly response. If you are struggling to pay the fee, help can be found as follows. Firstly, there's a national debt line. If you live in England, Wales or Scotland, you can call 0808 808 4000. That's 0808-808-4000 or go to their website for advice and information. If you live in Northern Ireland, then you can call Advice NI. The number is 0800-028-1881. That's 0800-028-1881 or go to their website for debt advice. If you need more general financial advice, you can contact Step Change Debt Charity, which formerly was called the Consumer Credit Counselling Services. You can call them on 0800 138 1111. That's 0800 138 1111. Do remember that you only need one of these documents. TNF Soundings. So that's it for another edition of the Black Country Talking News. A reminder to our CD listeners who have received CDs in padded envelopes that you don't need to send anything back to us. If you have a sight loss tip or someone you would like to wish a happy birthday to, just say hello to. Maybe even a poem or talking book you would like reviewed, then please get in touch with us at the Beacon Centre. Call 01902 880 Email bctn at beaconvision.org or write to us at the Black Country Talking News, 
Beacon, Wolverhampton Road East, Wolverhampton, WV46AZ. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening and thank you to all our supporters, donators and volunteers who without their support will be unable to run this free service. Please note the information and views expressed in this recording does not necessarily represent the views of Beacon or Talking News and were accurate at the time of recording. Mentions of goods and services does not imply endorsement and whilst every care is taken to supply accurate information, Beacon and Talking News do not undertake liability for any errors. So it's goodbye from all of us. Stay safe, have a good week and we look forward to bringing you next week's edition of the Black Country Talking News. Ta-ra!